welcome to theories of the third kind. Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. My name is Aaron and I'm one of your hosts. There are two other hosts that are joining me today, of course. Hans. What's good? And Danielson. Oh, hurrah. So before we start today's episode, I just want to say, like always, we do not run any ads on this show or take any money from any corporations. So if you'd like to help us out, well, there's a few ways that you could do that. One of the ways is Patreon. For only $5 a month, which is 16 cents a day, you can sign up to our Patreon and get an extra episode each week. These Patreon episodes are exclusive to members only. Today, we released a Patreon-exclusive episode, which is over the British royal family. Also, we have over 45 extra episodes, which is over 60 extra hours already locked and loaded for your listening pleasure, such as Silk Road, CERN, Mermaids, Coral Castle, and much more. We have a lot of extra Patreon episodes, which you get access to all of them for just five bucks a month. Another way to support the show is through merchandise. Just teleport on over to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, click on the shop button, and there you can see all the merchandise we have for sale. T-shirts, hats, hoodies, socks, potatoes, all that good stuff. I just want to say that the money we get from Patreon and merchandise sales goes to bettering the show. Also, we do know that things are tough out there right now, so if you can't afford a shirt or a Patreon membership, but you want to help us out, you can leave a written review on iTunes, and that helps us out a lot. If you don't want to leave one, though, then that is fine. We just want you guys, girls, aliens, reptilians, Bigfoot, Sasquatches, Chupacabras, ghosts, Illuminati members, underground lizard people, whoever, whatever you are, to enjoy the show. Also... One last thing, if any of you would like to reach out to us, then you can shoot us a message on Instagram or Facebook, or you can go on our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com. You can click on the contact button, and there you will find all of our email addresses. And that is the end of the announcements. So today's episode is over the finders. So how this episode will go today is that we will talk a little bit about the start of this insane story and then go into details, and then we cover some of the documents that the FBI released, and then transition into strange facts and findings, theories, and of course wrap it all up with our own personal thoughts and theories. So with all that being said, let's get into today's episode. On February 7th, 1987, The Washington Post ran a story that did not, at first, seem to have any particular national significance. The article talked about a court document memo that discussed children around the United States being kidnapped, brainwashed, used in satanic rituals, and sold to individuals all around the world. All of this was being done by a highly trained, elusive group of people. This group of individuals are described in that court document as a cult that conducted these activities. The document also mentions the D.C. police searching a warehouse linked to the group and removing a large amount of information that showed children involved in what appeared to be cult rituals, bloodletting ceremonies, 
animal sacrifices, hidden underground tunnels, connections with the CIA and secret societies. This group of individuals is who they called the Finders. So of course, like each week, we're going to start off at the very beginning of how this all started. But before we start, I just want everyone to keep in mind that what you are about to hear may seem a little crazy and out there, but all of this information is being backed up by police reports as well as a 650-page FBI report that was released to the public in February of 2019. Also, one little thing uh, that we're going to mention before we get into this, just a little warning, some individuals might find this topic a little disturbing. So it's just a little warning for you. Viewer discretion advised. All right, so Hans, can you tell us how this all got started? Well, certainly. Now, this all starts on February 4th, 1987. The Tallahassee, Florida Police Department received an anonymous telephone call. This anonymous person told the police that there were two well-dressed white men in Myers Park. These two men were on the playground watching over six children who were extremely dirty and acting like wild animals. So the police figured that they should go check this out and drive to the park. When they arrived, they see these two guys in suits and a tie who were standing next to a 1979 blue Dodge van and seemed to be the only individuals in the park. The police approach the two individuals and start to question them. They identified themselves as Michael Houlihan and Douglas Ammerman, and both were from Washington, D.C. As the men were being questioned, some of the other police officers started to look at the playground nearby and noticed the six kids there playing on it. The ages of the children ranged from two years old to seven years old. There were two girls and four boys. So as the police approached the children, they noticed that they were covered with insect bites, were very dirty, most of them weren't wearing any underwear, and all of them had not bathed in days. This prompted the police officers then to search the Blue Dodge van that Michael Houlihan and Douglas Ammerman were standing next to. The police opened the doors to the back of the van and were disgusted with what they had found. They said in the report, and I quote, the van was foul-smelling, filled with maps, books, and letters. It had a mattress situated to the rear of the van, which appeared as if it had been used as a bed. And the overall appearance of the van gave the impression that all eight persons were living in it. After the police found that, both men were arrested and charged with multiple counts of child abuse and booked in the Leon County Jail. Once in custody, the police started questioning the men about the children. Both Douglas and Michael said, and I quote, they were the children's teachers and that all were en route to Mexico to establish a school for brilliant children. This caused the police to ask the men where the children's mothers were, to which they responded with, and quote again, they are being weaned from their mothers. Since the police weren't getting much help from the two men, they decided to start asking the children what was going on. Now, according to police reports, five of the six children did not communicate. However, 
the oldest one was able to give investigators some information. The oldest, which was a seven-year-old girl, said that her name was Mary and that the other children's names were Max, Benjamin, Honeybee, BB, and John Paul. Mary was also able to confirm that the two men were indeed their teachers. The police then asked her what the men taught her, to which she said, how to play games. Mary went on to say that they would receive instructions from their leader, a man known as the, and I quote, game caller or game leader. Now, just a little knowledge nugget here. In the police reports, it stated that this game caller or game leader was known as an individual named Marion Petty. Just keep that in the back of your mind as we move forward. All right. So the police kept questioning Mary. They asked her if she knew what state she was in, to which she responded that she did not and didn't know where they were going. The police then asked Mary what her last name was, in which she replied, which one? She was then asked where her home was, and Mary told the police that they lived in Washington in a house with other children and adults. She also said that the food they were given was fruit and raw vegetables, but were only fed as a reward for good behavior. Now, if that wasn't weird or sad enough, there's more. So in the police report, it also stated that all of the children had no clue what telephones, televisions, typewriters, staplers, or other simple objects or things were. The sixth and oldest child, Mary, the one who had been talking to the police, and another child named Max, both of them had signs of sexual abuse. So the following day, the Tallahassee Police Department decided to contact the Washington, D.C. police and try to get help in identifying the six children and get more information regarding the two men with them, Michael and Douglas. The Washington, D.C. PD told the Tallahassee PD that they were aware of Michael and Douglas, that they have been in contact with a man named Robert Terrell. Robert Terrell told them that Michael and Douglas were part of a group that called themselves the Finders. The Washington police also gave the Tallahassee police information about the Finders warehouse, leader, and other information. Now, another thing that happened was that the Tallahassee PD also contacted the U.S. Customs because they suspected Michael and Douglas of being involved in child pornography. Just a little knowledge nugget. In case you were wondering why the U.S. Customs were contacted, well, the U.S. Customs at the time had a network of child pornography investigators and a child pornography and protection unit, so that is why they were contacted. So the U.S. Customs immediately assigned an individual named Detective Bradley to this specific case, along with a few other individuals to assist him in this investigation. Detective Bradley called the Tallahassee Police Department and got all the information that he could from them about the two individuals, Michael Houlihan and Douglas Ammerman. And the Tallahassee Police Department told Detective Bradley all the information that they had received from the Washington, D.C. police, that Douglas and Michael were connected to a cult known as the Finders. This cult had about 40 people in it and was led by a man named Marion Petty. The D.C. police also told Detective Bradley that the Finders operated various businesses out of a home and a warehouse located in Washington, D.C. and gave him the addresses of them. 
Detective Bradley was able to confirm this information and executed a search warrant on both the warehouse and the home within that same day. Now keep in mind, this was all in a matter of 24 hours of Michael and Douglas being arrested. All right, so what we're going to go over next is a court document that was written by Special Agent Raymond Martinez of the U.S. Customs. In this court document, Agent Martinez describes in his own words what they found during the search warrant on the house located in Washington, D.C. that was run by the finders. During the execution of the warrant at the home, I was able to observe and access the entire building. There were several individuals on the premises. However, only one was deemed to be connected with the finders. He was located in a room equipped with several computers, printers, and numerous documents. Examination of these documents revealed detailed instructions for obtaining children for unspecified purposes. The instructions included the impregnation of female members of the community known as the finders, purchasing children, trading, and even kidnapping. The court document goes on and to say there was a computer terminal that contained telex messages using MCI account numbers. These telex messages were sent to and from other terminals located across the country and in foreign locations. One such telex message on the computer specifically ordered the purchase of two children in Hong Kong to be arranged through a contact in the Chinese embassy there. Another telex message expressed interest in bank secrecy situations. Other documents were found that had information regarding terrorism, explosives, and the evasion of law enforcement. Also found in the computer room was a detailed summary of the events surrounding the arrest and taking into custody of two adults and six children in Tallahassee the previous night. There were also a set of instructions, which appeared to be a broadcast via a computer network, which advised the participants to move the children and keep them moving through different jurisdictions and instructions on how to avoid police attention. That's nuts, huh? That's what they found at the one house. So it's proof that this cult was in communications with somebody all over the world and they were purchasing kids and selling them. And somehow they already knew about Michael and Douglas's arrest within 24 hours. That must mean there was a leak somewhere. Yeah, it's nuts. And it, and it just keeps getting stranger. So tell us what happens next. So that was a court document written by Special Agent Martinez, who was a part of the search warrant on the finder's house. Now, this next part is, again, another court document that was written by Agent Martinez. However, this court document describes in his words what they found during the search warrant at the warehouse that the finders owned. I met Detective Bradley at the warehouse on 4th Street, and again... I was granted unlimited access to the premises. The warehouse contained a large library, two kitchens, a sauna, hot tub, and a video room. This video room seemed to be set up as an indoctrination center. 
It also appeared that the organization had the capability to produce its own videos. In the warehouse, there seemed to be a residential area where the children lived. However, there were what appeared to be an altar-like setup in these residential areas that had jars. Many of these jars were placed in odd geometrical shapes and contained urine and feces inside of them. Hold on, wait, pause real quick. When he says odd geometrical shapes, do you think he meant like um, some type of pentagram? They, they were stacking them, I guess. Stacking them? No, you don't stack shit jars. I was thinking like they laid them out, you know, like. Uh, I mean, they could have. If they had tops on them, you could fucking stack jars, right? Yeah, you can stack jars. First question is, why are they shitting in jars to begin with? I guess they just weren't allowed to leave that room or that area, so there was no bathrooms. I don't know. All right, so let's continue with the court document and hear what else Special Agent Martinez said in it, according to what he found at the warehouse. I was able to observe numerous documents which described explicit sexual conduct between the members of the community known as finders. I also saw a large collection of photographs of unidentified persons, some of them nude. There were also numerous photos of children, some nude, at least one of which was a photo of a child on display. I was only able to examine a very small amount of the photos at this time. However, one of the officers presented me with a different photo album that he had found for my review. This photo album contained a series of photos of adults and children dressed in white robes, participating in a blood ritual. The ritual centered around the execution of at least two goats. The photos portrayed the execution, disembowelment, skinning, and dismemberment of the goats at the hands of the children. This included the removal of the testicles of the male goats, and the removal of the female goat's womb and the baby goats inside the womb and the presentation of a goat's head to one of the children. I mean, I don't even know what to say after that, to be completely honest. That is so messed up. Thanks for the present. Oh, my God. How do you sleep at night after that? I don't know. I bet he, I bet he did. I bet he had to go to therapy after this shit. Dude, I'm sure everybody did. Mm. All right, so let's continue with the document. What else does it say? So Agent Martinez went on to say, Further inspection of the premises disclosed numerous files relating to activities of the organization in different parts of the world. Locations I observed are as follows. London, Germany, the Bahamas, Japan, Hong Kong, Malaysia, Africa, Costa Rica, and Europe. There was also a file identified as Palestinian. Other files were identified by member name or project name. The projects appeared to be operated for commercial purposes under front names for the finders. There was one file entitled Pentagon Break-In and others referring to members operating in foreign countries. Other files were identified to be intelligent files on private families not related to the finders. This process of information gathering by the finders appears to have been a systematic response to local newspaper advertisements for babysitters and tutors 
a member of the finders would respond and gather as much information as possible about the habits, identity, occupation of the family. There was also a large amount of data collecting on various child care organizations. Bro. So they would look at ads, local uh, newspaper advertisements for babysitters and tutors, and gather as much information as they could that way. And then they would gather as much data as they could on child care places. Mm. So that is what they found in the warehouse, but the weirdness didn't stop there. Shortly after the home in the warehouse was raided, the media heard about what was happening. The story of the finders made national headlines. This prompted the Tallahassee PD to release a statement in which they stated, It is our belief that these kids were not kidnapped, but that their parents gave them away. One of the rites of passage into this satanic organization is that you have to give up your rights to your children and that the leaders of this organization can do what they want with your children. To think this was happening in the late 70s, not that long ago. Yeah. Mm. So that Scott Hunt of the Tallahassee Police Department also said that the children were transferred to a private foster home and taken care of. But get this. He said that they had to keep the children's location a secret because their actual police department kept receiving multiple phone calls from individuals that were making death threats towards the six children. The police said that the calls were very brief and untraceable, but they were getting them so much that they had to pretty much hide the kids. Who would do that? So why were the kids getting death threats? I don't know. So weird, right? I mean, it's not like the kids ask, like, oh my god, I want to be in a satanic cult. Please abduct me and, like, make me shit and piss in a jar. I think it was more so, like, the Finders cult members calling and saying, hey, doing death threats, and the kids heard, oh, we got death threats against us. We don't want to do anything because these people told us, hey, if you snitch on us, you get killed. I don't know. Just a theory we'll dive into later on during theories. Scott went on to say, and I quote, to tell you the truth, we didn't anticipate any death threats against six young children who were in a very sad state. The fact that we had received death threats has put us on alert, and these children are going to be guarded around the clock. Hmm. Wait, so these kids were under police protection when they were, and they, the police station was getting calls of death threats the to kids the kids. The kids were in a foster home. But oh, foster home. these people were calling the police making death threats towards the children. The police got them and said, oh shit, we need to move them around or put some type of guards in the area or police in the area to make sure that the kids are safe in their foster home and not tell anyone where they were located at. Wow. Yeah. So of course the media ran wild with these statements and started making headlines such as, are the finders involved in satanic rituals with children? Is this a human trafficking ring? Yeah, there's a whole lot more, but those are the top two. Yeah. Um, yeah, so despite all this chaos and attention from the media, the Tallahassee Police Department was able to get in touch with the man Robert Terrell. Now, if you remember, this Robert Terrell guy was the original person who had told the Washington, D.C. police about Michael and Douglas being a part of the finders, as well as himself being a part of it. So Tallahassee Police Department was able to get a hold of him. So the Tallahassee Police Department called this Robert Terrell guy. Robert tells them, and I quote, 
This entire thing is a big misunderstanding. Once you suggested that we were a satanic cult, the media just ran with it. A few days later, Robert Terrell sends the Tallahassee Police Department a two-page memo detailing the finder's activities in order to clear up any misunderstandings. In this memo, it was stated that the two men and six children were originally on their way to Kentucky, where the group was to help rebuild a retirement home, establish a retirement community, and where the children would be placed in school. However, this trip was delayed. So instead, the group went to vacation in Florida with the approval of the children's mother. So here's the thing. You leave in Washington, D.C., you're heading not towards Florida at all. No. Plus, that dude just contradicted what Douglas and Michael were saying. Douglas and Michael were saying they were heading to Mexico. To start a brilliant school. So what is, how are kids ages from the two to seven going to rebuild a retirement home? What the hell is a two-year-old going to do? I don't know. Pass me the nail, Jebediah. (laughs) Come on, honeybee, give me that nail. All right. So just a side note. Um, Now, the police did get a hold of the owner of this retirement home in Kentucky, and he was able to back up the finders' claims. The owner of this retirement home stated that the finders were, and I quote, gentle people that were searching for new dimensions in lifestyles. Yes, by abducting children. Yeah, apparently. Good God. He, he was probably paid off by him, too. Oh, he's probably a finder himself. He's probably a member. Yeah, yeah. exactly. He's probably the proprietor. Ugh. All right, so the memo went on to explain that the naked photographs of the children that were found at the warehouse and homes of the finders the memo said that Michael Houlihan, one of the guys in suits with the children, was a stepfather to one of the children and a natural father to another. They then stated, and I quote, What parent doesn't have a photograph of his child at some point without any clothes on? Now, the photographs of the goats being slaughtered with the children's help, that was apparently a misunderstanding as well. Oh, God. The memo stated that the goats were already slaughtered. They all wore white robes to help protect their white clothing, and they thought that the children should be taught the experience. Uh, nothing better than just child-parent bonding over some slaughtering goats. I could understand. I mean, hunting. They were hunting. Yeah. yeah, but that's not hunting. That's like let me remove the womb of of a with the baby in it. What the. F- So the memo goes on to explain that the parents of all six children were members of the finders as well. They also note that many adult members of this group were hiding around the country, fearing arrest. As they should. Yeah. The last part of the memo, the finders confirmed that their leader was indeed Marion Petty. He was a retired Air Force Master Sergeant who in the late 1960s started the Finders Group. Marion and his followers decided to start a new generation of children that would be raised by them instead of their parents. They ended the memo by saying that there is no Satanism or child abuse taking place in this group. Shortly after they received that memo, charges against the men Michael and Douglas were dropped and they were released. The six children were sent home to their parents, and prosecutions of the finders were not pursued in Washington, D.C., and the case had largely faded away from public memory. 
That <laughs> is the official story of the Finders. But it doesn't end there because we're going to get into strange facts and findings where things get even weirder, if that was even a possibility. They're about to. So, uh, Hans, you want to start us off with the first strange fact and finding? So this strange fact and finding is about the Justice Department. The Justice Department released multiple reports from Special Agent Martinez, who we talked about earlier whenever he went and did the search warrants in the house and warehouse. Well, in some other reports that were released, it showed that Agent Martinez met with Detective Bradley after the charges in the case were dropped. Agent Martinez went on record saying, When asked about the finder's case, I was directed to a third party who advised me that all the data and materials seized from the finder's case checked out as legal. This third-party individual further advised me of circumstances which indicated that the investigation into the activity of the finders had become a CIA internal matter. What makes this even stranger is that in 1993, the Justice Department opened up a new investigation into the finders' activities to kind of determine if the CIA did indeed put a stop to the 1987 investigation. Now, one of the memos from the Justice Department's 1993 investigation stated that the CIA admitted to running an operation that was a front for a domestic computer training operation, but that it had gone bad. This operation by the CIA was called Future Enterprises, and that they had hired a member of the Finder's cult on accident, but dismissed him when his connection to the group was exposed. Do y'all believe that? Do y'all believe that they hired him on accident? You think the CIA does a lot of background on people, right? Yep. Do you think they would find that out before they hired the individual? Um, yeah, I mean, I would consider that he'd probably, since it's like a shell corporation working for them, he'd have to have a security clearance. And we all know that those things take forever to do. Oh, yeah. Depending on the classification. All right. Uh, let's get into the next strange fact and finding. Something else that is strange is actually the follow-up that was filed after the Justice Department figured out that the CIA was running this future enterprises. This follow-up report said, all of the data and passports of the Finder members had been turned over to the State Department for their investigation. The State Department, in turn, advised the D.C. Police Department that all travel, use of passports, and material collected on the Finders was within the law and no action would be taken. This included travel to Moscow, North Korea, North Vietnam from the late 50s to the early 70s. What they doing in North Vietnam? That's communist country right back then. Especially the North. I would know. My mom's event gone. Maybe, maybe getting kids. I mean, that could be it. Maybe selling these kids to kind of try to infiltrate the uh, regime over there. I don't know. I'll save my theories till later. The follow-up report continues on saying, The D.C. police report has been classified secret and was not available for review. The FBI had withdrawn from the investigation several weeks prior and that the FBI Foreign Counterintelligence Division had directed the D.C. police not to advise the FBI Washington field office of anything that had transpired. Yeah, that's kind of suspicious, right? 
Honestly, that almost seems like a, mm. you know what? We don't want to deal with it. Let someone else deal with it. Mm. Seemed like to me they were saying, no, we, we don't want them finding out what we're doing. Mm. Anyways, let's get on to the next strange fact and finding because we got quite a bit of these. Um, our next strange fact and finding is about the McMartin preschool. Now, if you're a Patreon listener, uh, you're kind of already familiar with this preschool. Yeah, we did a Patreon episode over it mm, a few months back. And if you haven't listened to that episode, basically the McMartin preschool in 1983, they had uh, multiple children come forward and say that they were sexually abused. Now, not only this, but the children were claiming that they were being taken down into tunnels under the school and made to perform satanic rituals. So we cover that topic really in depth on our Patreon. Um, So... I would highly advise going and giving that a listen. Viewer discretion, Sue. Yes. Anyways, so why do we mention the McMartin Preschool? Well, in the 650-page document that the FBI released about the finders, right in the middle of them, oddly spaced, is a map of the McMartin Preschool, as well as a document that talks about the tunnels under the school and what was found. So, what makes this even weirder is that the rest of the 650-ish pages of the document, the McMartin Preschool, is never mentioned. Yeah, it's just two pages, one talking about the tunnel, and one going into details of what they found underneath the tunnel. And they're right in the middle of the 650 pages about the finders. And nowhere else in the document do they talk about the McMartin Preschool. So, super weird. Why would they include that? Maybe there was a connection with the finders in the McMartin right. preschool. I don't know. Maybe they, were, maybe they were a branch. Ooh, maybe. I mean, they did say they had people all around the world. Like the CIA has shell corporations. The finders had fronts. Yeah. Maybe the CIA was the finders. All right, so let's go on to the next strange fact and finding. All right, our next strange fact and finding is interview with the finders. So this strange fact that we found, you know, occurred in 1998. A journalist had done some research about the finders and found out that they had a headquarters located in Culpeper, Virginia, which was an hour and a half from Washington, D.C. This journalist decided to go to their headquarters unannounced and knock on their door. Oh, that is an on-the-scene interview. Dude, the ball's on that guy. Holy smokes. Right? The answer by, hello there, Jonathan. We knew yeah, you'd we've come. We've been expecting oh, you. We've been expecting you. Oh, my God. That no Dude, would you there. shit yourself if that yeah, happened? Hell, yeah, I would. I'd be like, hello, Marion. <laughs> hello. Yeah. All right. So um, the journalist knocked on the door, and, of course, a person opened it. The journalist explained that he would like an interview with the main person over the finders, Marion Petty. Surprisingly, Marion agreed. And this is what was said in the interview. Marion Petty said that they actually have rational explanations for even the most bizarre behavior attributed to their group. He stated that the goat sacrifices were just the kids and adults play acting at being witches and warlocks. Which we have learned that not all witches are bad. Just saying. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yes. We're just saying what he said in the interview. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Petty also explained that he has been operating a house for the finders and others where he provides a home for individuals. He is quoted saying, I had two apartments back in the 30s and 40s in Washington and just kept an open house. I kept another home for people called the Free State back in the hippie period, back in the mountains here. So I kept an open house to beatniks all the way through the 50s going back to World War II. I kept an open house mainly to intelligence and counterintelligence people in Washington. OSS people passing through, things like that. So the open house at the time was more or less at that level. I just keep an open house. That's all I do. It changes as people show up. Basically, we have about 600 acres up there and a few houses that people who are here more or less permanently now. They spend part of their time in this town of Culpeper, Virginia, and part of the time in Washington, D.C., and part of the time up in the mountains, and another part traveling all over the world. I have been reported to their security officers probably plenty of times for trying to find out what's going on in the world. I've tried all my life to get behind the scenes in the CIA. I sent my wife in as a spy to spy on the CIA for me. She was very happy about it, happy to tell me everything she found out. She was in a key place, you know, with the records, and she she could find out things for me. And my son worked for Air America, which was a proprietary of the CIA. That was the interview. So I'm guessing that's how he found out about his two men being arrested? Yep. Mm. Well, that's what he said, you know, that his wife got the records for him and but eh, i don't know man it's just it just doesn't sit right with me it seems like he he's trying to cover for him actually being a part of the cia or at least working with them yeah it reminds me of that ian fleming novel uh forget which one about james bond and they made a movie about it called specter where uh there was a shadow government for the world that had in like infiltrated every secret organization in the world to know what's going on at all times so they could plot their attacks and all that. That's what that sounds like. Yeah, it does sound like that. Right. Damn. All right. So what's this next one we got, Dan? So our next strange fact and finding revolves around what was found in Michael and Douglas's blue van. You know, that blue 1979 van that they originally had when they were found with the six kids in Florida. So in the newly released FBI documents, it states that the following was found inside the van. A few radios, boxes containing clothing, fruits, and vegetables, a Chinese-English dictionary, a pack of Trojan condoms, a brown canvas bag containing photos of children, some nude, computer programming discs, and a piece of paper titled The Ballad of Ballads. Now, just a little knowledge nugget. This Ballad of Ballads made references to houses in Miami, Hawaii, San Diego, and China. The references to houses in Miami, Hawaii, San Diego, and China, you think that's where they had other finders people at? Maybe they were safe houses. Ooh. But not, okay. but like kind of like a reverse, you know what I mean. Trap yeah. house. Hmm. I mean, why the hell do you need a Chinese English dictionary? Well, here's the thing. Maybe they were teaching the kids Chinese. So when they sold them to China or whenever they purchased kids from China that only spoke Chinese, they could communicate. I think they were like the middlemen, mm. like the middle company that delegated the transactions of the children. Oh, okay. It's kind of like closing on the house, like the closers. Yeah, they were like the retailer for children. Mm. All right. So let's get into our last strange fact and finding before we get into theories. 
So this last one revolves around the Florida State University. Now, according to a released police report from the Tallahassee Police Department, a student by the name of Robert Sorkin was walking on campus on February 5th, 1987, which was the day after Michael and Douglas were arrested with their blue van and the six kids, right? Right. So this Robert guy came across a small computer at a public phone booth on campus in front of the library. So Robert picked up the computer and took it home. That following day, Robert took the computer out of its case and turned it on to try to figure out who the owner was. So Robert was looking through the documents on the computer and found information regarding the Tallahassee Police Department on it and decided to turn it over to him. The Tallahassee Police Department determined that this computer belonged to someone involved with the group The Finders. Hmm. Strange, huh? Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it was like a dead drop. What do you mean a dead drop? Explain it to me. Okay. So, I just know this from somebody that used to work in Moscow during the Cold War. Um, so, dead drop would be like putting information, like, in something that, you know, like a soda can to, like, one of the other agents. So, like, let's say, you know, CIA goes out, they find this area, then, you know, they put like an X on like pole near this person's house. Person sees that and says, oh, shit, I got to go to this dead drop. And there's like a crushed up can. And it's, you know, something like nobody's going to be like, oh, that's got secrets in it. But that person that knows what that red X means, they pick it up and they open it up and there's secrets in it. I mean, uh, that computer is obviously really freaking huge, but maybe it was kind of like disguised as just a box and just left at this phone booth and then somebody else was supposed to come and pick it up. Maybe. And then Robert had to go and find it, which was good of him. Good job, Robert Sorkin. I mean, he's he was probably really lucky. Someone could have been watching that shit. Saw him take it, catch him later on, and next thing you know, he's in China. Yeah. Alright. So let's get into theories. Um, I'll take this one. Yeah, Hans, why don't you tell us about the first theory we got? So... The first theory that we got is the satanic panic. And I'm going to try to describe this the best I can because I read it on four different forums and really try to make sense of all of it. So this theory kind of goes into why it was hushed up and like everybody was released and nothing was publicized and it just went away. So let's be honest. We all know what happened in the 80s. It was the dawn of heavy freaking metal and the satanic panic where you could look at somebody that just didn't look right, that wore maybe a black shirt too many days in a row and listened to some Iron Maiden, and you were like, oh, Satan! You know, that was just the 80s. And this theory revolves around the sacred geometrical shapes of fecal matter jars and the urine jars. One user on a forum said that this was kind of in the shape of a pentagram. That being said, this group, the Finders, is labeled as a cult. Now, it is the 80s, and not all cults were extremely bad. Not all cults were Satanist. And the theory is that because of the heinous things the Finders did to these children and all the graphic material... U.S. Justice Department looked at it and said, we have to seal this because not all these cults are satanic. 
And if we release what we find, it's going to cause a mass pandemonium across the nation and everybody is going to want to burn down religions and anything considered a cult. But they did a crappy job at sealing it because that weekend the news tabloids ran with it. Yeah, but it didn't get much publicity then because think about it. Like I, I asked my parents about it. I said, do you remember the group The Finders back? Nope, never heard of them. I said, all right. Oh, what if just using the satanic panic as an excuse, people just like, oh, just another satanic code out there made people pretty much just people ignore what was really going on. It was just a cover up. The trafficking of the children. Yep. Exactly. And kind of like how they use Pizzagate. Oh, that's ridiculous. Why would they have it under the pizza thing? That's so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Right. And maybe, you know, back then nobody really cared what the media said because they knew how blown out of proportion the media can, you know, distort anything. We also have a picture of the cult symbol here. We can link it. Dude, that shit's freaky. It is. Yeah. And you can tell those are those are children. Is that girl on the left smoking a cigarette? Yeah, it's so it's kind of like a skull, but it's like a demon skull with a snake tongue coming out of it. And at the top of the skull, there's a pentagram. And then at the bottom of the snake tongue, um, it looks like there's four children. Two or three of them are sitting around this skull. And one is kind of like playing with her hair is what it looks like. Is that a Baphomet in the middle? Yeah. Baphomet. Oh, in the middle of the the pentagram. 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 Yeah. What are those symbols on the circle or like around the outside? I have no idea what those are. I'm guessing like some type of sacred runes. I don't know. Yep. Anybody that uh, looks at this picture and they know what the runes are, you can email us and uh, yeah. we'd really be interested. Baphomet's hammer. He might know. Yeah, he might. On our Discord. Hmm. But damn. That is, that's weird. Yeah. I can kind of see this as a, as a theory. Yeah. I see it more as like what Dan was saying is like using the satanic panic to cover up what they were truly doing. Well, have you ever heard of the West Memphis Three? No. No, I haven't heard of that. They were solely convicted on the fact that they listened to heavy metal. No evidence was ever brought forth that could solidly place these three teens that supposedly, I think they're out. They, I think they won their appeal and were found innocent. They, in West Memphis, Arkansas, these two children went missing and they were brutally murdered. And the town turned against three guys three teens that listened to heavy metal and it was during the satanic panic hmm. and it the only reason they turn against them is because they heard the teens talking about it hmm. and they they were put on death row damn we're gonna have to do an episode over them yep. dude what was that girl's name that uh that was murdered aaron or like she disappeared but there was like a family there that was like a cult and like the kids said that they were like satanic Oh, she worked at the movie place. You're talking about that one girl who disappeared at the movie place and they found her car with the tire slash and the keys. Of Kelly Day Wilson. Kelly Day Wilson. Sorry. Hans. I found a Australian group that is super similar to the Finders. I put it really? in the, hey, I put it in the listener suggestion. Called the Santa I can't even fucking pronounce it. Park Association. You know, I read somewhere that the Finders had a different name earlier on. Yeah, I forgot what they were called. I forgot where I saw it. There's so much information that we have to try to figure out what to put in here. There really is. But if it wasn't for Aaron just getting bored at work... It wouldn't be so organized. Yeah, it wouldn't be so organized. It'd be all over the place. 
Sorry, I get bored at work. Yeah, I know. That's that's why. Like, I was like, man, I'm gonna li- I listen to all this sh- shit. I'm gonna add so much. And then, like, I pulled over, read read some messages that we were having to do majority vote on, and then I was like, clicked over, said, "Oh, son of a bitch!" Right? Damn it, Aaron. All right, I said, I'll add up some. I left the house for an hour, and he had most of it done already. I'm like, what the hell? All right, so um, let's go on to the next theory. What's the next theory we got, Dan? Child trafficking. Ooh. Considering the movements of the children when Ammerman and Houlihan, they were traveling supposedly to Mexico. Then, of course, you know, oh, they were actually going to Kentucky or going on vacation to Florida. You know, we don't know. But in their computer, they found information about locations all over the world. And then, of course, in the house, they found, you know, like the world map and all that such. So what if this was like part of the Pizzagate thing going on in D.C.? You know, what, whether or not you want to believe that Pizzagate was real or not, that's not the case. That's not what I'm trying to say. It's like child trafficking is a thing. But what if this was like, this was actually a child trafficking thing that they actually busted them, but, you know, decided not to do anything. The main location was where? Culpeper, Virginia, hour and a half away from D.C. You know, that's not really a long ways, you know, from... Uh, was it Comet Ping Pong? Is that what it was called? Yes, Comet Ping Pong. Yeah, that place. But then, you know, you got to think about it. Two grown men that are dressed nicely in suits and a tie, driving a van, 1979 van, that has a mattress in the back of it with six kids that are just dirty, not wearing all the necessary clothing. Well, I don't want to say necessary clothing. Not wearing underwear, you know. And then they find condoms in the tr- van, too. That was... Well, yeah, and the two of the kids, the Mary and Max, the two oldest, boy and girl, when the medical examiner examined them, both of them had signs of sexual abuse. And that was by the Tallahassee Police Department's medical examiner, or like the doctors there. But the FBI and the CIA did not care for that information. No, they didn't. So it's like, why would they say that the kids, these two kids were sexually abused, but yet there's nothing going on? It's messed up. It's sick. It is. Now, this last theory we have is I kind of, I'm kind of leaning a little bit towards this. All right. Now, this is MK Ultra. Okay. Now, what if this investigation was stopped because the organization or the cult that was involved in it and taking these kids was actually doing MK Ultra type experiments? Let me give you like a little example. They were brainwashing these kids with playing quote unquote games. These kids had no knowledge of modern items, only what they were being taught through these games. These kids were told to take men's clothes off and put them back on and search through their pockets. And um, what if, let's just say hypothetically, us theorizing here, let's say the CIA did want to do some MK Ultra stuff, but on children. So they created this group, the Finders, or they infiltrated this Finders group and decided to get these kids and say, okay, what? Are, how are the kids going to respond if we raise them up and never show them televisions, never show them modern things? We teach them very basic English. We want to see what it's like of them being raised as basically like primitive style, right? So maybe that was the whole thing of them raising the kids up to try to create these brainwashed or these easily controlled kids 
so that they could sell them to leaders of other countries or sell them to other countries as a way for blackmail. The same way that Jeffrey Epstein was selling kids, or not selling kids, but make, having kids there to have sex with these political people that would come over in his mansion and he would tape them and then use that as blackmail against them. Except the CIA was the finders using these kids as blackmail. I mean, these kids, these kids were being rewarded with these games with food, fruits and vegetables, because that's pretty much all they ate. Yep. So they had to complete these tasks to get food. And I think Robert Terrell, he did like an interview before and he talked about when, you know, he's being part of the finders that they were participating in games as well. I guess this is to encourage the kids that, you know, to play these games. Like this is the way to be is play these games that Petty would be like, Terrell, fly here. Pretty much he had to stop whatever he's doing, leave work or whatever and fly. Like he had to get on a plane and everything and just go to that location. Like this was like what they were meant to do. It's like play games. That's how they live mm. their lives. That's weird. I've never heard of that. Yeah. Him saying that he had to like drop everything and go somewhere. Yeah, it was weird. So it's just like maybe these people, like the people in charge, like Petty, you know, in contact with people that were actually brainwashing people, especially kids, to play these games so that they learn and be a certain way. And, you know, it just made me think they had a Chinese English dictionary. What are they were teaching these kids, you know, Chinese? brainwashing them and then like actually placing them yeah this is far far out there they're like little sleeper agents i'm just saying like maybe i would i got something that's way far out there you talk about way far out there oh, throw it at me okay what if this finders group this cult was involved in raising children from birth the finders group the members would join have these kids give them over when they were babies that's why they could give them over so easily because they had no attachments and then these finders or these cult members would drive these kids to certain locations around the world for aliens to pick up. And the aliens were taking these kids that knew nothing about Earth, taking them up and either using them for food or taking them to another planet and saying, hey, we're going to repopulate this other planet with other human beings. Kind of like a restart. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, they're living on fruits and vegetables. Like, say, you start over. It's going to be fruit and vegetables that you're going to be eating. Yeah, until you can get yourself an animal. Yeah. Okay, okay. Hmm. That, that's pretty good. It's far out there, but pretty good. Yeah. I like to think about things like that. It's all just messed up. Any of these theories, they're all messed up. The fact that nobody was charged with anything, and these kids were just left to continue on being treated the way they were. It is an injustice of our justice system. You think, if that happened today... Do you think anybody would have done things differently? Would more people go after it? No. No. You see a kid like that, you, you know, you figure someone would probably do something. You, you'd probably see uh, Alex Jones chasing after the van. Well, <laughs> there's some weird things that go on around the world. That there is for sure child trafficking still going on. But the fact that nothing was done about this 1987 case and the fact that the Justice Department opened it up again in 93, but then closed it after finding out that indeed the CIA would force them to close it and had a hand in it. It's just sickening. Nobody was brought to justice. It's mind-boggling, to say the least. All right, so I did have a, did have a thought. Okay, hit us with it. What if, say, some of these places around the world that, that were listed, well, you got like China, North Vietnam, North Korea, 
So what if this was like an experiment, not like MK Ultra experiment, experiment saying people go over to North Vietnam, especially like after the Vietnam War and stuff. There's probably a lot of orphan children, stuff like that, because the war and all that. What if this was them trying to do experiments to try to figure out how to, I guess they took the kids here and put them in like a situation as those kids would be over there. As orphans and with no technology or anything. Okay, I see where you're going with this. To see how they would try to develop and possibly they try to figure out like ways to help them out that they could make an easy solution. So I would say it was like a government thing doing an experiment to try to figure out how to fix, uh, I guess, what, like third world problems. I don't know how they how you would phrase this. Yeah. You know, maybe not saying it was a good experiment, but maybe this was like their way of trying to figure out how to fix something. But yet that's why not, no charges were brought up against it because CIA is like, this is an internal matter. Yeah. So this is like an experiment that they were trying to help with. Hmm. It was just a thought. So what if this was like more or less not just the government, but like high ranking like senators, you know, House of Representatives, and they were just trafficking children around around the U.S. And, you know, in order to push certain agendas with, you know, brokering, you know, certain kind of treaties, ending embargoes and stuff on other countries, you know, these these other countries agreed to purchase these children at a certain price to buy the politicians' loyalty at the time. Well, around the same time, the Franklin cover-up happened, which was, if yep. you aren't familiar with the Franklin cover-up, it was basically a credit union in Nebraska was raided by federal agents and. 1988, and it had connections to Washington, D.C. So the credit union's manager was part of the Republican Party, Larry King. Now, not the normal Larry King you think about. This is the Lawrence E., also known as Larry King Jr. And uh, he was getting payments from Washington, D.C. political people and businesses as a credit union manager and he had like 40 million dollars or some shit like that and that's how he got caught was because the irs was like how has this dude got millions of dollars and he's just a manager of the bank so they started tracking the payments and they realized holy shit this larry king jr is taking these kids from this boy's home flying them overnight to washington dc and taking them on tours of the white house at like midnight and one o'clock in the morning and these senators would show up there at this same time. So it was rumored that, um, mm -hmm. yeah, you, that he was trafficking these kids to political people in Washington for sexual favor or to them for sexual reasons. And in return, he was getting large amounts of money paid to him. Very weird. All right. Y'all ready for this one? Uh-oh. This random thought? Let's hear it. The Finders was the startup group for the Wayfair. Mm. Okay. Wayfair is going to come after me. Is that it? Is that all you had behind that? They were moving kids around in vehicles and all that. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, that's pretty much all I had with it. Okay. Well, thank you for that thought. That's all I had. <laughs> I, know, I, just, I was trying to find a connection. I was like trying to duck, duck, go it. Okay. Well, or maybe it's the start of Carvana. Mm. Go listen to our Wayfair episode. Yeah. All right. Well, does anybody else, y'all got anything else you want to add to today's episode? These were sick individuals. Yeah, they, they were. are sick individuals. Yep. How no one got arrested, I still don't believe it. Yep. Never trust the justice system. It is the most flawed system 
one of the most flawed systems in the United States government besides the IRS. Ooh. I still hate those bastards. Well, that is the end of today's episode. So now we're going to roll to On the Scene. Now, if you aren't familiar with our On the Scene, it is where individuals around the world, yes, listeners just like you, go out and interview individuals on the street and ask them questions about current conspiracies and happenings around the world. So if you want to submit yours, you can just get an interview with somebody, uh, make sure it's less than two minutes long, and send it to our email addresses, which it can be at Aaron at theoriesofthethirdkind.com, Dan at theoriesofthethirdkind.com, or Hans at theoriesofthethirdkind.com. Submit it as a MP3 file or whatever audio file format, and uh, yours will be played. But just remember that we do have a queue, a wait line, but if you're a Patreon subscriber, then yours goes to the top of the line. All right, so this week we have Bruce on the scene, so we're going to play that right now. Hey, this is Bruce on the scene. We're here with Casey. So, Casey, we're going to ask you a few random questions. Okay. Are chemtrails real? Absolutely. Chemtrails are real. Why? Uh, it's metals in vapor that are being sprinkled all over the atmosphere. To kill us. Okay, okay. Was the moon landing fake? Yes, it was fake. And the astronauts were paid off. And um, our money, our taxpayer money that goes to NASA um, is false. It goes to corrupt government. Wow, that shit's deep, deep. Okay. How about, um, how about was 9-11 an inside job? Absolutely, 9-11 was an inside was job. That? Um, you can just totally tell by how the buildings were... You know, imploding from the inside out. There were bombs in it and all the surrounding structures that had important documents. And then the same thing was done. Wow. Cool. Okay. And uh, how about, do you believe in Bigfoot? I do. And do you think he's got a big old dick? <laughs> yeah. He's probably got big, big, big dong, big feet and little hands. Because he's like 15 feet tall or something, I hear. Yeah, he's probably got little hands. Oh, God. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Good job. Thank you. Good job. Thanks. All right. This is Bruce. Thank you. <laughs> Bruce, I love you, Bruce. God. Got a, got a big old dick with He would like to hands. say he has normal size hands. Okay. He did. He is self-conscious about those hands. Hmm. That's Bruce or Bigfoot? Bigfoot. Oh, okay. He just wears gloves that look, look hairy, but they're like really well manicured. You wouldn't notice, but he's actually some of those hand models on commercials. <laughs> You can just say Bigfoot. <laughs> well, thank you for the awesome voicemail this week, Bruce. It's amazing. We love you. Yes, much love. Thank you for the on the scene. I love it. All right. So now we're going to go on to shout outs. So um, the first shout out we have this week on Instagram is to Wyatt. Love you. Wyatt. Darwin's Deviations. Love you. Uh, 210 Hellcat, love you. Your m new music is da da dope. I've checked it out, pretty damn good. Um, let's see who else Gennaro Q, Cody H, Allison Stevens, Skylar Cooper, Britt, Frida, Travis Wilson, Garcia de Vega Apina. Um, Jason DeWitt, Angeli Kamida, Ka Angeli Kadina, Angeli Kadina, 
for future reference, my name is pronounced Anjali. Oh, Anjali. Sorry about that. Kadena. <laughs> Justin Hagee. Uh, let's see. Hardy Crust Pizza. They said that they love us. We love you. Um, Stacy Luis. Sarah Martinez. DD Holder. Haley Jade. Brittany Oreo. 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 I'm sure I pronounced your last name wrong. I'm sorry. Ties, which is the Ty- oh, Tyson the Potato. Um, he said, hey, can you guys do an episode on DMT and the Machine Elves? Well, Tyson the Potato, we've already done an episode on that. And it's back on season one. It's one of our earlier episodes, and it's probably one of my favorite episodes that we've done. I love it. So go check that out. Um, Ron Weed, Nicole Oates, Jack Clough, Claw, Allison Peter, and her boyfriend Trevor. So shout out to all you guys. I love you. You're amazing. And uh, I want to let you know that. And that's it for Ace. Uh, that's it for Instagram shout outs this week. Nice. All right. Hans, you want to go? Sure. Um, first shout out of the of this day goes to uh Tasha the Soul Collector. Um followed by Thin Glizzy. That that's one of our guys. He's on there. He's on there. <laughs> hey, don't don't shake your head. War Bison, um Perry, Minks. Uh got to shout out my boy Slickers, you know. I just love us checking in with each other. Steffi, Le- Leslie, um going to go with Spencer Rob and Haley Rob. And we'll close it out with go with a special shout out to my boy. Well, sorry, not special. Sorry, you don't get that today, son. Vicente Rod, you know who you are, son. Keep spreading the love. And Darwin, I love your email. Yes, it's all about the otters. It caught me off guard, but it was nice to listen to. And Fuck I really enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Screw those yeah, guys. Screw those little, those little freaking quilled. Don't people eat them? Like, isn't there a way to eat them? Sea otters. Yeah, I'm, what? I'm sure people do. Dude, you can eat anything. You can eat people if you want. Yeah. Yeah. You can eat ass if you want. Here, we don't judge. No, I'm good. <laughs> so I got, I got a couple of shout outs I want to do. Um. I want to give a shout out uh, to Slickers for being awesome. I also want to give a shout out to Darwin's Deviations for being awesome. Also, there's two other people that joined our chat um, the other night. Me and Dan just hopped into chat at like midnight, right, on our Discord. And we're just chilling, chit-chatting. And uh, two individuals hopped in, uh, Young Agumon and... Can you say his name right? How do you pronounce his name? All right, here we go, here we go. Who rast ust? No, that totally, totally messed that up. He knows who he is. He says the call him Arnold. Yeah, Arnold. Shout out to them <laughs> to Young Agumon and Arnold. Both of them super cool guys. Um, so if you're not on our Patreon and you want to talk to me, Daniel or Hans, you know, hop on our Patreon. You get access to our Discord and we always interact with everybody and just have a good time in there. Yeah, we do. You know, just if you want like personal convo, you can just send us a direct message. Yeah. You know, but we'll try to at least get on voice chat like once a night, 
try to. It's very difficult with all the you know research editing and everything we do, but we're always always there chatting, sending random messages, messing with people. <laughs> yep. All right. So what other shout outs we got left? All right. Uh, let's see. Got a shout out to Austin Lidget, Bill Dozer from Discord. You know who you are. Uh, Flynn Flon, Josh Ray, Kimberly M, Joseph P. Then uh, shout out to Crazy Reptile Guy. Me and him been chatting on Facebook about Naruto. <laughs> yeah, anime. Get over it, guys. Whatever. Don't judge me. Yeah, he does. Throw up the signs, bud. Oops. Yeah. Then uh, Curtis P, Jack H, Adrian Y, and then Austin P. But then got a shout out to John Masters. He sent me a message on Facebook, and I got to read the message out to y'all because I thought it was kind of funny. So it goes on. Hi there, from the UK. Was listening to your Skinwalker Ranch episode the other night, but not in a way most of your listeners would. I'm ex-British Armed Forces and live in Scotland. But I'm a, you know, Yorkshire fella. And my calling in life is to save lives as a firefighter. But in my spare time, I do pest control. Mainly foxes that are decimating poultry and killing pets. So the other night, I was out in the dark, you know, around midnight, by myself with one earbud in, listening to your Skinwalker Ranch episode while using night vision to hunt my quarry. And as you, go to, as you got to the theories part, I was scanning with my night vision scope and then totally crapped myself when I was met with a close-up image of a pair of glowing eyes with a canine outline. At least my shot gave this terror a dirt nap. Never been so cautious going to check a kill. Keep up the amazing work. You make my late, lonely, dark nights totally worth it. Ooh, nice. I thought that was, I thought that was hilarious. The fact that you start listening to theories about what it is, then you start scanning, and then all of a sudden, there it is right there in front of you. Dude, I probably would have shit myself. I would have as well, man. That's scary. Plus, I'm a jumpy individual. Dude, that's that's why that's why when I hunt at night, I use the infrared. That way, I don't see those beady eyes. I just see a blob. I hate seeing glowing eyes at night. I'm not a, I'm not a fan of werewolves, and that 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 reminds me of you know that's a no for me, guys. But nope, that's all the shout outs I got. Well, shout out to Darwin. I did like the voicemail that you left. That was pretty funny. You know, definitely shout out to everyone on Discord. Y'all have been great. You know, a lot of things happened, but y'all been great. All right. Well, that's the end of the episode today. I want to thank you for joining us. And again, thank you for all your support. You're all amazing. Every single one of you. So with that being said, Dan and Hans, you want to roll us out? Sure will. It's okay to be out of this world with your thoughts. Because you're not alone. Boom. <laughs>